I guess for the most part, uh, I've been listening and following what you guys have been doing on the podcast. And I have a difference of opinion on some of the uh, the viewpoints around human being versus human doing. And, and, and likely, if you've been listening to the podcast since the beginning, you understand that that stems a lot from uh, my dad's ideology growing up and um, uh, kind of more of a productive uh, viewpoint of how to make things happen. So I wanted to come on the podcast, have a conversation with you guys because, you know, you're family and all that and and it's it's good to catch up anyway but also to to kind of talk a little bit about a differing point of view from what i hear on the podcast a lot hey it's ron Thiessen. welcome to another episode of the human being project by the change evolutionist where my daughter janelle and i explore the difference between being and doing in a world of constant distractions sky high expectations and the relentless pursuit of more we examine what would happen if we made space for more being and less doing. This was a fun episode to record. Our guest today is my brother, Josh. Now, I'm the eldest by 11 months, but since we were kids, he's always given off big brother vibes. That's because he's a strategist with a brain the size of Texas, and I'm all caught up in my feels. He called me one day after episode 12 aired, that's the Dreams Unleashed episode, and he said, I don't agree, which led to a great discussion between the two of us and eventually today's episode. I don't know about you, but I feel like we learn so much when we listen to perspectives that are different from our own, and I'm so grateful that he agreed to be here with us today. In our conversation, Josh explains why he feels it's important to do the work, plan for the future, and be disciplined. He's also the first to admit that being present is difficult for him. If you're someone who likes to anticipate every possibility and has a plan A, B, C, and D, each with their own contingency plan, this conversation is gonna hit home for you. So we're gonna dive right into Josh's explanation of his pay now, play later philosophy. The goal is to do the hard things first. Um, do hard things and do them first so that when you are rewarding yourself, you're rewarding yourself because of something that you achieved, not just because it's it feels good to do so. Um, there needs to be there needs to be a productivity output before there is a being input. Let's put it that way. So the the being part, the living in your dreams, the the concept of you know following your dreams, and it, that comes from a position of really being. Um, allowed to do so because of hard work you put in in the past. And I think societally even, we're in this place where there's a perception that I should just be able to do exactly what I want, live my dreams all the time without having to put in the effort. But that doesn't really rationally align with reality. And there needs to be there needs to be an initiative put forward in order to achieve something, uh, that you can then lean back and say, well, I deserve this. So that's kind of the the crux of the, the uh, we'll call it belief system, whatever. I mean, it started from my mom and if she's listening, hi mom, but uh, who, who very much doesn't follow this real viewpoint in my opinion. Uh, but she certainly taught me this pay now, play later. She used to say that to me all the time. And it's and it's really about just doing those things first that um, that get you the reward. At least you've done something 
uh, before you're wasting your time, for example, or rewarding yourself in some way. I, I would consider it wasting time because that goes back to productivity roots. I, I was I was talking to um, to my wife about this last night, and you know, even even the pay now, play later kind of approach was not something that in my young adulthood that I adhered to. I had a I had a lot of credit card debt. I bought things I wanted to buy. Uh, I, I, I wasted time in jobs and I don't mean enjoyed myself wasted time. I mean, I, I had opportunities that I let go because I wasn't disciplined and, uh, I lost jobs. I, my, my young adulthood was not one where I adhered to any sort of pay now, play later type of approach. But one thing that fundamentally changes that I think is having kids and, and for me, it's really become um, a viewpoint of preparing myself, preparing uh, my family situation for my children is important. In, from from, and I mean that from various different standpoints, um, uh, conveying the same ideology of discipline uh, being a requirement to the to my kids, uh, economically providing for them. There's so many things that are part of making sure that there's preparation and and that we're prepared for situations uh and i and i think my viewpoint on doing the work first and and more let's call it more being a planner really came into like it got into fifth gear when when i had kids mm. do you think you're you are you teaching your kids the the pay now play later principle are you are, are you uh, specifically focused on making sure that they understand that principle? Yeah. In, I mean, I believe that as parents, we set a lot of examples for our kids and how we approach situations. Mm -hmm. So I, I have, I have my oldest who's really a teenager now, but, um, just, just on, you know, starting being a teenager, he's 13. So we're really kind of getting into more of what does that mean? Um, wh when kids are kids, you don't you don't need to overwhelm them with uh, a lot of focus on productivity or or discipline and whatnot. You got to allow them to be kids. But certainly, as they move into the, into teen years, and you're starting to create um, formative behaviors for adulthood, it's important for them to understand that there's that there's input and output. And if you want the right output, you got to put in the right input. I, of course, have a different philosophy because, as you know, I'm a strong advocate for play whenever the heck you want and worry about paying for it later or if ever. But, um, yeah, when it comes to raising kids, I agree with you that you do need to let kids be kids for sure. And that was kind of the philosophy I had when raising my my one child, who's now 23. Um, but I don't know if it was just that I was blessed with a child who was already had he already had built in productivity goals. He's just very self-motivated. So there was never a need for me to create that structure or if he just observed my behavior of playing now and paying later and he just decided that didn't make sense logically. I don't know, but um, I didn't take that approach with him and he's a very, I think, well-adjusted grown man now. So it's interesting. I do think the parental influence is integral, but I think it can go one of two ways. Either your child observes your behavior and says, I like it, I'm going to do it. Or they observe your behavior and say, I don't like that. I'm doing the opposite. 
I would agree with that completely. And and your um, your son is definitely um, a, a very focused individual. And I, I don't know where the root of it came from, but it may be both. I mean, I certainly know that there were things growing up where where I specifically said to myself, hmm, that is that is a parental behavior I will not emulate. Yeah. So so I, I, I think as people, we grow up with various different um, examples of how to live our lives. And some of them we take in and we adopt and some of them we uh, discard because because we see problems with it. So who knows? Who knows? I'm not saying that that, you know, you caused you caused him to run the other way, Janelle. I'm just saying um, it could be a combination of both. I'm not so ignorant that I I that I don't understand that um, my kids may run the other way from any lessons that I'm teaching them. So I think the more important part is setting the example and and showing success through productivity rather than um, rather than just saying that somebody needs to emulate a behavior that you don't as- ascribe to yourself. Okay. Well, since we're talking about your kids. When you talk about productivity and setting an example for them of somebody who lives a productive life, where does play or presence come into play with your kids? Where, at what point do you, are you able to be present versus productive, or do you find a way to balance both? And if so, how how do you balance both? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, I don't think that it's. I don't think that I'm really good at balancing both. I think I plan for events and. Um, it, even if they're, you know, planned events, let's say Christmas morning, right? So those, those things happen. You've planned for those events. You have, um, uh, bought your kids gifts and your, you know, things are, the tree is in, uh, the tree is up and all these kinds of things. There's, there's planning that's involved there, but, but for me, it's, uh, then it's moving on to something else. And I've already moved on to something else before we ever get to that moment. So being in the moment is not something that's, uh, that I find uh, an easy thing to do. It's uh, the the whole being present thing is more. It's more an internal presence where I feel like I'm present within myself, but not necessarily present within the moment that I'm experiencing. I am, however, very uh, reflective, so I absorb the moment and reflect back on it. But in the moment, it's a different. It's a different kind of thing. So. And and I know this is human nature, right? We look at we look at the future and we look at the past, and very rarely are we centered in the moment because our minds just we adapt. We're, we're looking for the bigger picture, and the bigger picture exists in a variety of memories from the past and a variety of expectations in the future. And the the focus that's needed for a, a crystal clear view of the current moment is something that are that we're not really well adapted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I, and I'm aware that that's a shortcoming that I have. I'm not, I can't get that kind of crystal clear um, focus on the moment other than for the work that I do. And and I think that that's more playing a persona, which I think most of us play a persona at various different, uh, various different times. It, this conversation is another good example, right? We're having a conversation. It's in the moment. We're focusing on what's happening right now, but it's also a persona. It's a, it's a persona around communication. We are playing we are playing roles here uh, that talk about our method of communication rather than how our how our mind is actually working. That last bit was over my head. 
<laughs> I was too busy being in the moment to understand what the heck you just said. <laughs> no, I, I just, I, all I'm saying is that we don't, there are many times that we, uh, we pretend we play a role. We're not, we're not necessarily, uh, it, in our head, we're not able to focus in the moment and yet we pretend that we are. And frankly, I think that that's what meditation is, um, or any sort of mindfulness exercise. You are playing the role of someone who's mindful. And the goal is that as you continue to play that role, it will become an instinctual behavior or at least create more of that instinctual behavior where it's more, it's easier to slip into that role. But it's still we're playing a role because it's it's counter to a human instinctive nature of looking at the past and the future and trying to bridge the gap between the two. So do you see the the past, present, and future as three different sections of time? Like that so that you know we're we're very good at at recalling things from the past and and maybe living with regret about those. We're very good at at uh, projecting into the future and maybe worrying about that. But uh, and then the present moment is like a different section of time. Do you do you see it that way, or do you see it as uh, the present moment is just not as relevant to our our thought processes as the past and the future? I think the current moment is a reflection of the worry about what might come, caught in a moment that has rational thought based on what has occurred in the past as lessons learned to um to fuel the moment towards the future i don't know if that i don't know if that makes sense it makes sense in my head um but that the the current moment is is something that we're living with and bridging i think is is a good term for it where we are taking knowledge from our past whether that's from other people or from our own experiences and we're using it to understand the current moment so that we can guide ourselves or guide other events into a, a potential future outcome that we're that we desire. But there's a danger in doing that as well, because if your present moment is affected by past regrets or future expectations, which it, of course it always is, it, it is a practice to not let it be. And it's impossible for it to not be influenced by past and present at all or past and future at all times. But there are glimpses of present moment awareness or being in the moment. Um, and the more of those that we have, the more able we are to care less about what happens in the future. And by that, I mean worry, worrying about, you know, outcomes we don't want to happen or things that could go wrong or things like that. And regretting things that have already happened. In other words, they're in the past and they can't be changed or fixed. So the present is the only moment in which you actually exist. You don't exist in the future, even though you're planning for the future in your present moment. You don't exist in the future. You only exist in the present. Would you agree? But why is there such a negative connotation to past and future? I don't look at the past as regret. I look at the past as, in a lot of ways, it's, um, uh, what's the word, uh, when I'm looking back on it fondly, I'm remembering moments from the past and they may educate me. There's learnings there. Mm -hmm. There's learnings about what's good, what's bad, et cetera. It's not always regret. It's far from it. Most of it is not regret. And most of it into the future is not fear or worry. It's um, anticipation. 
So it's it's not always a negative connotation. And and I think we don't have to we don't have to live in the moment of making sure that every moment is uh, that every moment is for the here and now. Because what happens is when you're when you focus on every moment being, I want to feel this moment as a good moment. You actually have you, you usurped any opportunity for you to plan ahead, for you to prepare for the future. Well, maybe not any opportunity. That's pretty general. Some people can certainly do that, and they're excited and in the moment, focusing on what's coming or planning for the future, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But it's it's almost like there's this dichotomy between uh, living in the moment or um, planning for the future, and and I think it needs to be a, a it needs to be both not one or the other. And my, I would say, if anything, I'm too far down the road of um, planning for the future to the, uh, to the sacrifice, like sacrificing kind of the future moment for that, um, which is, which is a, a shortcoming that I, that I have that I'm trying to work on. But being present in the moment, especially when it's with other people, um, with people in your life that matter, uh, that's important. But it's certainly certainly looking at um, the future through the lens of the past or through the lens of the moment. It doesn't have to be something that's negative. Let me ask you, okay, bringing these two concepts together of of what we're talking about, past, present, and future, and uh, pay now, play later. When does? How do you determine when it's time to play because you've already paid? Yep, exactly. This is this is the absolute crux. And so I'm extraordinarily self-aware. At least I tell myself I'm self-aware. And most people who know me think I'm pretty self-aware. Um, so I fully understand that this is something that is always a problem moving forward. Because there's never a time when I'm going to be able to say, it, I should rephrase this, there's never a time in my current mindset where I'm going to be able to say, okay, there's a shift. Now, I've always told myself that there that shift is inevitable, that it will come. So let's talk about, for example, retirement, right? Oh, have I got enough saved for retirement? Am I ready to, to shift to retirement? But when retirement comes, it will never actually come because the plan is always to continue to develop a plan for what retirement looks like, right? So there's never, there's never a moment to let go. So I, I recently went on um, a vacation first one I've I've had in a, in a long time that I wouldn't consider to be duty bound right so there's there's taking your kids to go see their their grandparents there are um, work trips that are you know not vacations etc so I, I took a vacation that was uh, truly a vacation and had nothing to do um, and I enjoyed that and there were lots of times when I focused on being in the moment for that but but before that happened, it was I was extraordinarily guilt-ridden about about even having moments that were um, taking away from the plan, if, if that makes sense. So whether that was cost or time or whatever the case may be, it was taking away from the plan. So it was hard for me to to shift into that. But I was able to. You mean the retirement just, plan, or what do you mean? No, I just mean from the day to day to actually let go of oh. how day to day behaviors or activities relate to a broader picture, and to just focus on where am I right here right now and what's going on around me right here right now. 
I was able to, um, but it wasn't something that was uh, easy for me to do. But once once I had started the process and once I was on a plane and I was gone, it was something that I could shift into because I was in that situation. And you enjoyed it? But I had already... Yeah, yeah. But I, I did have to plan for it. <laughs> I had to plan for letting go <laughs> of the plan. So, so I, I had to I had to psych myself up to just go with the flow and live in the moment. Mm-hmm. But you did it. You practiced it. But I Yeah, exactly. So like I said, I know it's a shortcoming. I know it's a shortcoming of how do I shift there. But it's something that I think just again, it requires practice and and planning. So you have to you have to plan for how are you going to what do you what are you going to change in your own behavior patterns in order to shift into something where you can live in the moment. Um and and I guess the just the counterbalance to this is the viewpoint of well I'm just going to live in the moment is is one where you're always constant at least in my opinion you're always constantly wondering about do I have what I need for the next moment mm-hmm. because am I just using it all now whether that's talents gifts treasure whatever the case may be am I using it all now and do will I have anything left that's a huge amount of um faith that you're putting into into whatever the 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 universe or you know god whatever you want to say there's a lot of faith that you're putting into that and whereas i believe that god gives us these talents and treasure and whatnot for us not to use them uh without attention to the consequence we we have to we have to be focused on on what comes next and it's just so it's just the it's a different side of um of a coin i guess but in what you're talking about, you're really saying what's in the future is finite. It's not abundant. It is, it's a certain measure, and you have to figure out how much of that measure you're going to spend at any given moment uh, so that you make sure that you arrive at, I, I don't know, did, like however long you're going to need provision, then you, you need to make sure that that provision lasts until that time. It, am I reading that right or... or because that's it's that sounds very uh, constrictive to me in terms of uh, you know I'm I'm always cognizant that I, that I this is not this is not an unlimited supply and 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 yet we have no we have no way of determining how long that future is going to be so we don't know how long are we going to need the resource and so how do you even appropriate it along the way so that you because you don't even know how much you're going to need. Yeah, so it's a fair point. Let me talk about it from the angle of, of fitness. Um, I don't know uh, how long I'm going to be alive, mm-hmm. but for as long as I'm alive, I would like to be able to move as though I'm able, right? Whatever, whatever that is. So if I if I want to be able to hike when I'm 70 years old, I better invest in continuous fitness, building muscle. Um, continuing to uh, treat my body with respect so that it survives to that point. The longer I can postpone having to take some sort of medication, the better in my book. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know what when those resources are going to be required or when they're going to run out. But the point is, is that if I'm planning for the worst case scenario and the best case scenario happens, well, great. What, how have I lost? Now it is, 
I will say it, you're right. It is restrictive um, because I'm I'm constantly thinking about um, how am I improving my health or improving my teaching lessons to my kids in meaningful ways or improving my economic situation or whatever. I'm because I'm constantly thinking about these from the standpoint of what happens in the future. It may be that I come into a situation where I'm no longer here and my plan isn't complete. <laughs> But at least I feel like I'm moving towards a plan instead of um, consuming and then eventually getting to like, I would much rather be in a situation where I'm 92 years old and um, I should rephrase where I'm 85 <laughs> years old and dead, but I have resources left over to hand off to my children than to be in a situation where I'm 92 years old and I've been broke for seven years because I didn't plan adequately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I can understand that. But the, how did you get to the place where you said the vacation that you just took, now it's time to take a vacation? How did you get to the place? Because like you said, you had to let go. You're going to take vacation. Okay. Then that means you're not working, which means you're not fueling from a, a financial point of view, the the goal, et cetera, et cetera. So how did you get to that place where, where you said, okay, now's the time and when you uh, departed on your vacation, did you then shift into the moment? Uh, yeah, I think is to, to answer that in reverse, I think I shifted into the moment pretty much right away um, because yeah. I had been preparing myself to do so. Um, I, as far as why I thought it was the right time, uh, I, I didn't. Um, I I took a chance. Yeah. I felt like it was something that there's physical health, there's productivity, there's economic health, and there's mental health. And mental health sometimes requires stepping away from all the other ones. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. But it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you focus only on mental health because you're doing what you want to do all the time no. at the at the cost of the others. I I love that you're bringing some focus and some clarity to the concept of being versus doing because what you're basically saying is it's not being versus doing. It's a marriage between the two. And that is something that I struggle with is at, at, because my approach has always been play now, pay later. And so you're, I think you are, as you said, you're one swing of the pendulum. You're, you're the furthest end. And I'm probably close to the furthest end opposite from you. But I think what you're suggesting is that through your own personal awareness lately and growth that you're seeing that if you swing just a little bit towards center, you will find that there's a balance that yes, you do need to prepare and plan for the future. And yes, you can look back on the past with either regret, if that's what you choose, or with uh, appreciation for all the things you've experienced, if that's what you choose. That's a mindset, I think, that people adopt or don't adopt. And I do think that the present moment, I, I know before you said that the, the present moment, um, people who want to stay in that moment want it to be happy. But I actually disagree because my perception of the present moment is not that it's happy, but that I am present to absorb the lessons and the un the uncomfortable things that are in that moment that teach me things that fortify me for the future. They really don't have anything to do with the past because the past is done, but they teach me so much if I can be observant. And one of those, one of my favorite things is nature. Nature, if I decide to go for a walk and pay attention to something as 
you know, seemingly meaningless as birds chirping or trees swaying or the movement of the wind. But my observation keeps me present and neurons fire. Like I have so many ideas and there's so much self-awareness that comes in those moments of present moment awareness, which obviously doesn't happen all the time. But it's not to feel happy. It's to absorb the experience that is happening to me or for me right now that is teaching me things for the future. Your example there, though, talks a lot about relaxation, right? So you're you're in a you're in a state of mind that's open. You have to be. So at some, at some time you do have to relax. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Sure. No, 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 absolutely. I'm not disagreeing with that. But what I what I'm kind of getting at is that you were talking about present moment awareness in order to teach you lessons. However, that the time when we reflect as people is not in the moment. And if you're if you're reflecting, if you're learning a lesson and reflecting on that lesson in the moment, you're missing out on other moments. Right. So you're still going to end up reflecting on the past because at, at that night, you're dreaming about what happened during the day and you're reflecting on how you felt or you're sitting there at night and you're thinking about your walk in nature and it's calming you and it, it's still a reflection. Yes, but the more moments that you spend in the present, reflecting in the present, which I get is not fully, I agree with you, it's not fully in that moment. The more adept you become at being present in the moment, like it's a split second, like I'm on a plane with uh, a random stranger who I, and I don't feel like talking. And yet he starts a conversation with me and it turns out that there it's leading somewhere. It leads to a place where we connect on something different. And in that moment, I'm very sure. present in the conversation, but I'm also aware that this was aligned, that I'm meant to be here in this moment, that I need to fully drop into this experience. That's kind of what I'm talking about. I get that your mind is still going to be working. It's still it's just our human mind. It never stops. It's still going to be working, processing. But the reality is that that the only the only time frame that we actually have access to is the now. So the, I can only experience things in the now. I can plan and I can project and I can make my my plans for the future. But when I experience that future, it's in the now. And I may be misunderstanding what you're saying, but if I sort of neglect the now because it's not relevant, the past is relevant. Uh, because of what it taught me, the future is relevant because of of where I'm going to, where I'm going, or where I'm taking my life. But if I, if I, it, in the consequence of that, I ignore the now. Like when you were talking about Christmas morning, and you're already off somewhere else. So in your thinking, you're not there in that moment. But that's the only moment you're actually in. So, so what's happening to that moment? Did you live all of the moments? The the appreciation of the kids that that you the gifts that you have in your life and then the the presentation of gifts to your kids and and all of that stuff that happens on christmas morning did you live that before and now that it's actually happening you're on to something else so how are you being a human being in the now but you're not here in the now so i have a, an answer to that and then i have a question <laughs> so okay the the answer to that is that in many ways, I consider myself to be an observer. So the the plan is there. The plan is put in place. The plan is realized. I'm observing the realization of the plan. And maybe that's fueling other plans. This, this kind of goes back to the thing about being in the moment as well. I'm not saying I'm not in the moment or not cognizant of the day-to-day the -day or the moment, but I'm an observer of it. 
And usually I'm an observer of how that ties into a broader plan that that's already, that's already put in place somewhere in the, in the web of my mind. <laughs> okay. So, so my question is for you, Janelle, from a viewpoint of living in a moment, um, how do you, like, do you feel that you're able to, um, appreciate those moments, uh, when they happen? Are you, uh, fully realized in those moments? And then more importantly, um, how do I explain this? Okay. So, so I don't, I believe that we as humans, this is from my own observational data that we as humans only value or remember moments that are not common. So we, we make memories of uncommon moments. So you could say, well, the, the conversation on the plane is, is an un uncommon moment, right? But what about the common moments of walking that trail and hearing the birds chirp and you do that, you know, twice a week or three times a week or whatever it is. And that happens every time. You cannot recall one of those details anymore because it's all part of a, oh, I went for a walk. And I, and normally when I go for a walk, birds chirp, it changes from, oh, I saw this blue jay, you know, to, oh, I hear birds chirp. So are you somehow able to... Um, live in a moment and then extrapolate memories from the common minutia of the day-to-day. -day. It's interesting because it seems like uh, they are details you would you would come to take for granted, like a chirping bird, for example. But for some reason, for, nat for me, nature is new every time. I don't know how to explain that other than to say it, I go there with the expectation, I go there with the intention of not allowing my phone or other people or disruptions to enter that space. So I guess you could call that meditation. It's, it is a walking meditation for me. So I'm just open to whatever sounds, smells, feelings are happening in that space. For me, it's a safe space to do that. I, I mean, ideally, I would like to get to the point where I could be that present or that um, tied to the moment that I, that I could could do that anywhere that I could do that when I'm feeling scared on a plane at takeoff or when there's turbulence or and I can I can do it at times like that when I'm afraid I also bring myself to the present and feel that fear and feel discomfort dad has asked me to speak at his university classes and in those moments I I almost have I force myself to feel that discomfort because I know that it's serving me somehow but I get what you're saying like your brain is is always going to be reflecting on it. Do I reflect on the bird sanctuary after I've been through there? Yeah, I do. Because things happened there. Awareness came. So I'm reflecting on it in another present moment where I'm not being present. So it's. I think it's impossible. I. I and I don't know, but I would guess that it's impossible to be present at all times. But it's the goal to be present as often as possible. Is that what you were asking? Um, yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it's just, how do you take those memories with you from, from the commonality into something that's, that's specific that, that carries forward into a memory. And I mean, it sounds to me like you have a bit of an ability to, to take the common task and, and generate a memory from it. 
I I can't I can't do that. Uh, it's for me. It's it has to be something that's uncommon. I can tell you all the things that I do for work, but it's when um, it's when we win a deal, or because I'm in I'm in sales, so it's when we win a deal, or when something extraordinary happens, or when you go on a trip. I mean, this is why people take vacations, right? It's because it's not at home. It is it is moments that are somewhere else that you remember because they are somewhere else and someone at some point is going into your hometown to have a vacation there and the minutia that you see all the time is a vacation right. for them right and it's because we we need something different in order to to stimulate our brain to hold on yeah. to that memory it's just the way i i think it's the way the human mind works but but if you're able to to kind of capture those moments and and they're new and fresh for you all the time that's i mean that's um Something I've noticed with this practice of present moment awareness is that I actually have a terrible memory now. I can't remember anything. Like I may be able to give you examples based on a hint of of an experience through the bird sanctuary or I've logged in my brain. When I go to the bird sanctuary, I numerous times have just amazing moments there. But like I don't remember things that have happened. People will say, you did this. And I, I don't remember so much because to me, I'm trying to let go of memory because memory keeps me in the past. It's like taking me back over and over again to relive a moment that doesn't serve me anymore. It served me when it was happening. It taught me something that I'm now applying to the present moment and to the future. That's my goal. I'm working towards that every day. I mean, it it seems it seems like that's uh, a little bit of a uh, a pipe dream to to say, well, I'm going to absorb the moment. I'm going to reflect on it. I'm going to absorb it. It's going to be co- become part of my psyche and I'm going to move forward without reflection on the past. Um, because if you, it's just too much to contain in your, in, in the frontal lobe of your mind. I mean, the, 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 our, our mind compartmentalizes, our brain literally compartmentalizes memory in a different space. So you're, you're putting a lot of pressure on, I think it's your prefrontal cortex that lives in the current moment. And you're putting a lot of pressure there for to to absorb all the lessons that you've learned and and update your psyche on an ongoing basis in order to to live those moments and reflect and and have those lessons learned become part of your um, how you see the future. That I I don't I for me it's I just need more. You're more missing reflection. right now when you summarize that though you're missing the spiritual element which to me is is crucial. Um, the connection that I have with whatever you want to call it that's bigger than me isn't tied to what happens in my brain. Sure, my brain needs to categorize things for function, but does it need to categorize every last single thing? Do I need to plan everything to the nth degree? Do I need to know everything or calculate everything? Or can I just maybe step into the future with some trust? And that's the letting go part that I have spent a lot of time focusing on and the part that drives you nuts because there's there's less planning and less paying and more playing (laughs) (laughs) i think letting go is great and and if there was one thing i wish i could do it's that because because it is a it is a a constant barrage of um history and future colliding uh that that is challenging in and of itself and letting go of that stuff would be uh, would be good. There is a balance somewhere. You know, I, I, I don't feel, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that I feel like 
my viewpoint serves me well in every situation. I think there's lots of um, shortcomings as well because it's not, um, I, because I, I put myself in a lot of probably undue mm-hmm. stress or unnecessary stress when a variable that's unaccounted for uh, rears its ugly head and, and has to be adjusted mm-hmm. for. Like those kinds of things where you're just constantly keeping on top of uh, various details. Uh, part of it is a challenge though, and I like it. So, well, One thing I, that in listening to you, Josh, I feel sad because when you say that you are an observer, so what I heard you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, what I heard you say is that your ability to plan and to, to you know, foresee things, you take the responsibility to create experiences for your family or, or create some kind of happening. You take responsibility to make that happen. But when it's happening, you're just observing. And that sounds to that sounds really lonely to me. That sounds it sounds to me like, you know, I, yeah, I, I created this this space for for this to happen so that everybody could enjoy themselves and be feel whatever they feel. But but I'm I now am I'm divorced from this situation. I'm just observing and uh, and in my mind I'm I'm continuing to plan for the future. That is um that is that is a, a viewpoint that comes from someone who is uh, more adept at being in the moment than I am. So, uh, for me, I, I'm th- that that sort of sad reflection doesn't matter because I'm not in the <laughs> <Yeah>. moment. <laughs> and you don't have anything to compare it to. Well, any sort of, uh, yeah, abnormal moment is a moment that gets cataloged, right? So, um, there are. I, I'm not saying that. Christmas morning, the kids are opening presents and I'm sitting there with a coffee and I'm not, it's not like I'm not paying attention to what's going on. No, I understand. Um, but the vast majority of things that I do in my life, I feel like they're not for me. I felt like the vacation I went on was for me. And, um, and that is why I felt guilt ridden about it. So, and, and dad, you and I have had conversations about this before around kind of Mm. the key, the key things that drive me and, Mm. uh, and one of them is just that kind of that purposeness and and feeling like there's a there's a purpose and feeling responsible for everything in your life and every person in your life also you that you you feel that very strongly so we when you're talking about the plans and the preparations these are important things for you to engage with because it it's it's part of a deep value system for you that you you need to be responsible for this kind of stuff right yeah, and I and I it makes me wonder what will happen when my uh, when my kids aren't at home and I don't feel that that purpose from from that. But it, there is that absolutely that responsibility, and and that's where I kind of find my fulfillment is in creating a situation, planning for a situation, creating a scenario, um, seeing the purpose come to fruition. Uh, I've made it happen. This is, it's kind of what my wife always tells me is that I'm the make it happen, man. That's the term she always uses because it's, Mm. that's kind of how I approach things that just, just get them done. And, Mm. and part of that is not procrastinating. Part of that is doing the things that are not necessarily fun to do, but a big part of it is also just already understanding what's coming so that there's, or at least having some, some plans in place for various different scenarios that could be coming. So that when they do, you you know how to respond. So uh, you've talked to me a, a, a bit about that one of the things you want to do 
later on, like, I don't know, maybe when the kids are, are older or the kids are gone or whatever, you'd like to travel and you'd like to be in different parts of the world. If you're following through and doing that, is that paying or playing for you? Oh, that's, so that's playing. I kind of see anything that comes uh, in those experiences as being uh, learning in the moment to some degree, but but playing. And this is in, in my mind. So what you're talking about there is not just traveling, but living within various different cultures for months at a time. Right, right. And And even though I, in my mind, conceptualize that, I don't know if that's something that I can actually do because the amount of letting go that has to happen in order to feel fully absorbed in those moments for such an extended period of time, there's some learning I have to do between now and then in order to be able to to accommodate that. But you know what I think is interesting is that it even is a dream that you have, like that you created space internally for you to even dream that. They say, well, I think that's what I would like to do. And you, and you understand that there are, there are going to be challenges for you to do that. But the fact is that it's something that you think you would really like to do. That's pretty amazing. That's pr- I think that's fascinating. Well, there's, I mean, it's not, I would, I would say that I don't necessarily think that having a planning first mentality is an enjoyable thing. I don't enjoy focusing on planning. Mm. Um, just like anybody else, I want to focus on doing things that I enjoy and having fun. But I don't think it's... Um, I, I get very frustrated in even in our current society, societal climates in, in North America where there's a almost a feeling of entitlement that... Um, that others should provide for me. And in a lot of ways that translates into, um, oh, the government should provide some sort of service or program that I can use. And and my decisions should not impact my ability to have a good life. And I don't subscribe to that at all. I think that that is um, a huge part of what causes problems in our society where nobody takes responsibility or accountability for themselves. They're always just expecting somebody else to do it. And there's a book it's Jack Canfield and the success principles. And mm-hmm. in that book, one of the first things he says in there is there's one thing that you have control over and that's your response to situation. That's it. Yeah. That's the only right. thing you can control. You can't control what others do. You can't control what happens to you. You can control how you respond to those situations. Mm-hmm. And by being prepared, you're able to respond in a more adaptable way than in just relying on others to, um, to provide your response for you. Yeah, it's definitely in the success principles, he definitely talks about your responsibility of what kind of life do you want to create? Well, that is your responsibility and you can't, you can't expect someone else to create the life that you say you want. So, and I certainly yeah. agree with that too, but, um, I, I don't know, it just, it, it's, it, um, the way that you're, you're describing, I, I'm, I'm wondering how will you, how will you determine uh, when it's time to play. Yeah. I, I mean, full, I'm fully aware that this is a, um, this will be a problem and I need to, at some point figure out when is enough enough. When have I prepared enough and I can shift? Uh, and like I said, I think it's just something where I need to, um, have more practice at it. 
I am committing myself to spending more time um, in the future developing, working on things that I enjoy so that it's not always focused on on planning for them. At least if I'm going to plan for them, um, then I can enjoy them and then go back to planning for the next thing rather than constantly feeling the, the need to plan. And frankly, I think part of that is, well, I was going to say parental responsibility, but maybe it's not parental responsibility. Maybe it's self-imposed based on what we've talked about before. That in fact, it's actually, I need to step away from the feeling of needing to be responsible for providing for everybody else mm. and and focus more on uh, uh, taking care of myself. That's what my intent was with going on a, on a trip was um, taking care of my mental health, stepping away, being able to do something that was enjoyable. And maybe that is what it is, is more t- stepping back from um, feeling the the need to be responsible for for others. Um, and frankly, I know that it's actually generating a weakness in my children because it's not teaching them to be responsible for or themselves either. Yeah. And mm. yeah, yeah. Ex- well, it, it, with independence, it, it's responsibility for your own actions, your own decisions. Your, and and it's something that uh, that's also something that I'm very cognizant of having to allow to happen, allow my kids to. Uh, be responsible for their own mistakes and and own up to them and uh, and resolve the issues. Yeah. That, that come so I'm just I'm wondering what the payoff is for you to be uh, the planner. Mm. Why is planning and having a plan and having multiple plans for multiple scenarios? Why is that so important to you? Is that bringing comfort somehow? Does it make you feel safer? Or what is the reason that you need to have that? responsibility and the planning you need to be responsible for everybody and you need to plan i i think safety is a good word uh i am not again we went through uh some worldwide events where a lot of people um, didn't feel safe and looked to others to provide safety um and i don't like being in a situation where i'm reliant on others so uh, I think safety is a good term because it, it kind of encapsulates a, a lot and, and it's, it, it's preparing for situations so that there's maybe not safety, but just preparedness, just, um, the, what I gain from it is when situations do arise, I'm adaptable and I, I have various different tools at my disposal and I probably dry fired a situation several times. Uh, there's my gun <laughs> reference for today. Um, so, so that I'm, I'm able to kind of envision, uh, these various different scenarios and what are the outcomes of them. And I, and there's a plan in place for it already. And I think, I mean, maybe it came from, um, growing up and we didn't really have, there was not really a lot of plans in place and things were pretty, um, flexible. So maybe it's, maybe it's just going back to what you said about your son, Janelle, but maybe it's. A situation where it's those are one of the that's one of the things I wanted to do different from how I grew up. Do you know anybody in your life who one of their mantras is work hard, play hard? Well, I mean, I work in corporate America, so um, everybody has that as a motto, right? Most of the time, it's not really true. the The play hard usually involves heavy drinking, 
but okay. but it's a pretty common motto in in most corporations. So what I'm wondering is if you know anybody who has that sort of motto or says that that you respect the lifestyle that they have, the way that they do things. Uh, not personally, maybe not okay. personally, uh, but there's, I mean, there's several people that I've heard in in maybe podcasts and things like that that talk about maybe almost uh, over the top approaches to self-discipline and, and, and whatnot. And I think there's a lot of reward from that. I, I'm not the kind of guy who gets up at 4.30 in the morning to go running for a marathon distance or anything like that. But um, I do think that there's, I mean, everybody ticks differently and, mm-hmm. uh, and that works for some people and it doesn't work for others. But, but the fact is finding ways to exhibit self-discipline is extraordinarily important for for everybody i mean some people call it make your bed um uh jordan peterson who's a canadian i think he's got something like that talks about making your bed and it it just ta- is talking about taking responsibility you know these are critical things that everybody needs to to learn how to do and i i um i guess i just feel that they're they're very important but the planning part that you talk about where you plan for multiple scenarios and you try to forecast the future so that you feel safe or so that you feel prepared makes me think that if a situation arises that for which you have not prepared, does everything just fall apart? No, because there's contingencies. <laughs> hey, Josh, I, I really want to thank you for coming on our podcast and and uh, and bringing a, a bit of a different look at some of the things that we're talking about. This has been a really good discussion. Yeah. And hearing the systematic way that you think about these mm-hmm. things is really valuable. I still feel like, it, maybe it's not a sad reflection, but I, I feel like for me, if I had to live like that, I would feel like I was missing out on so much because I, I would have paid the price for that experience to, to be had by the people that I love and the people that are around me, but I'm not really part of it because I've made the preparations and that's all that's required from me. I wonder if sometimes you feel like, uh, you know, okay, that's all I'm good for. I, I'm, I provide, I plan, I, I get everything in place, but I don't really live it. I'm just there to provide it for everybody. And, um, and that would be sad if you felt like that. But I really, I really appreciate your difference of opinion and the different way that you see things. And this concept of pay now, play later was, I think, was really good for us to talk about and what that looks like in life. And also... The, the, the concepts which we just t- touched on at the end here about discipline and doing what needs to be done. Uh, and those are really important concepts too. So thanks a lot for, for being here and for uh, being willing to be transparent and, and share what you're thinking. Do the holidays stress you out? I mean, I know there's some cool traditions and there's definitely great food. Hello, eggnog. Oh yeah, I see you all cold and fancy in the dairy aisle. But do you feel pressured to meet expectations and show up a certain way for the people you love? If you do, you got to join us next week because we're going to talk about this very thing. How do you prepare for the chaos of the holiday season? Well, by recognizing what causes you stress ahead of time. Is it shopping for the perfect gift? Is it complex family dynamics or just plain old drama? We're going to explore ways to really enjoy the season this year by staying present by figuring out what really matters, and by being more self-aware and reflective. So we'll see you next week.
What did you think of this episode? Head over to the private Change Evolutionist community chat to join the conversation. Find the link in the show notes. We're excited to announce that you can find the Human Being Project on Wisdom, a social media app that promotes authentic connections and meaningful conversations with real people. This is great news for you because it gives you an opportunity to ask a question anonymously and get a voice reply from one of us. Just go to wisdom.app forward slash human being project forward slash ask. Type your question and click send. Never miss an episode. Get notification to your inbox when a new episode is released. Download to your device or listen wherever you get your podcasts. To get notifications, go to thechangeevolutionist.com forward slash subscribe. Ron Thiessen is a practicing psychologist and educator. To apply as a guest on the podcast, please visit thechangeevolutionist.com forward slash podcast guest.